leave to go yak in a minute, but uh, <laughs> probably won't be our liveliest of Wednesday mornings. Uh, the question this morning is this, uh, how do we see ourselves? The heart of that, uh, the, excuse me, the heart that is subject to Christ is going to answer that question one way, and the heart that's in its natural state of rebellion is going to answer it quite another way. Um, in a sense, this question was once posed this way in the first full-length animated feature, Snow White. <laughs> mirror, mirror on the wall, who's the fairest of them all? And, of course, the answer to the evil queen's question was, well, not you. So <laughs> It's an interesting parallel we can find there. But it is an interesting thing that throughout time there have been different attributes or characteristics that are, are universally seen as preferred or greater than others uh, when it comes to people. Culturally speaking, we... We love to rank people based on looks or talents or abilities or, or persona. We love doing that all the time. And this is always highlighted for us as a culture during election season uh, where we quickly discover what we think is important in a leader. And usually it's more about presence and personality than other more meaningful things uh, because it is the physical and the, and the natural that, uh, that the heart aside from God relies on. It's the physical that we celebrate. It's the physical that we put our focus on. When it comes to the Christian life, we have to understand that our talents and our looks and our abilities and our charisma and our social standing or our background, all of those things, they really have nothing to do with our spirituality. They have nothing to do with the dynamic Christian life. And while God can use our skills or our abilities to glorify himself, he has no need of them whatsoever. He hasn't been waiting around wishing he could do specific things uh, but hasn't been able to until I came along and finally God had a point man he could count on to get the job done, you know. Uh, that's not the Christian life. Instead, the Christian life is about being submitted to God's plan to transform you from what you are into something godly. That's the deal. So Paul hits this very subject in our text. It's Philippians 3, verses 4 through 7. Let me read them for us. He says, though I, might, uh, though I also might have confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so, circumcised on the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, concerning the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, concerning righteousness which is in the law, blameless. But when things were gained to me, I have counted loss for Christ. As we've been saying each week, Paul's teaching us about how we lock into the dynamic Christian life, which is full of God's power and full of God's spirit, full of God's peace and ministry and all of those things. And Paul's just warned us about the fact that there are enemies out there that seek to rob our joy and to limit our effectiveness as believers, and one of them specifically being legalism. Uh, but now he has a very simple truth that we need to take hold of this morning. He invites us to look within points out that there is a very present danger to our discipleship, and that is to have confidence in our own flesh. Now, oftentimes we think and speak of the flesh as, as the sin nature, you know, that propensity to do wickedness, and that's a big part of it. But here, in this text, it also encompasses all that is natural in your life. And so your mind, your skills, your abilities, your body, all that is you aside from the Lord, the natural, physical things. And those, Paul says here, can be dangerous to your Christian living. Because we do have a tendency to trust in our natural selves. Uh, he calls it, in this text, having confidence in the flesh. And the word there could also be translated as reliance on the flesh. And it happens in a number of different ways. <coughs> One way that we start relying on our natural abilities 
is in the area of ministry. Um, we uh, are, are put into a position of ministry or a position of witness by the Lord somewhere, but then eventually we start leaning on our own intellect or our own background or our own abilities, and we start thinking that, you know, we've really got some powerful skills to offer the Lord. Uh, he would be lucky to have us promoting him as, you know, disciples. And then that confidence in our flesh increases because we're, you know, we're pretty impressed with ourselves generally. Another way that this tendency that we have affects us is in the area of temptation and sin. You know, we start becoming confident in our own willpower, our own ability to avoid sin, um, and we start discounting the need for godly intervention and fortification every day in those areas of temptation. And we become, we again become confident with how impervious to sin we think we are. Now, you know, I'm never going to do this. I'm never going to fall. I'm never going to trip up, and so I don't really need to spend much time devoting those areas of my life to the Lord. This is the snare that Paul is discussing in this text as we become less spiritually minded and spirit-led and more self-minded and self-led. We get impressed with ourselves and how much we have to offer the Lord and the church and everyone else around us. And in a moment of very bold candor, Paul comes to us and he says, Oh, oh, do you think you have something to be proud of? Uh, I'd like to talk to you about being proud of accomplishments. Let's just stack up our resumes here. Because this guy was someone who could impress you when it came to like making a grade. He was from the right class of people. He had the right citizenship. He had the right education. He had the right activity and programs going on in his life. He had the right record of how he voted and how he behaved. He was a shoe in for whatever position of power or prominence a person could want to go after. Uh, he knew more than you. He did more than you. He was from more than you. That's what Paul is saying. And Paul, of course, isn't listing these things to boast or, to, or even to make you respect him. That's sometimes what we do a lot. You know, uh, it's a tendency Christians have is to, is to glory in that flesh and have confidence in it and just let you know that, yeah, I'm a Christian, but let me tell you how important I was before I was a Christian. And, of course, since I was so important before I was a Christian, I'm obviously much more important now. But that's not what Paul's doing here. Instead, he's listing these things out so he can illustrate his point, which is in verse 7. But what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. He's very clear and very serious about the issue here because all of our human abilities and all of our physical attributes and all of our natural skills can actually stand as a hindrance and a detriment to our submission to God. That's what Paul is saying. He's looking back on his life and evaluating himself and he's come to the conclusion that all of those natural things seek to supplant the rule of God in the presence of the Holy Spirit in our day-to-day living as believers. And when we neglect to deal with pride in our hearts, then it starts to pervert our thinking about the ministry and our relationship with the Lord. That's just what happens. You can see this uh, very thing playing out on the pages of Scripture a number of times. Here's a couple. First, Elijah, the mighty prophet, the incredible man of God. You know, he, But at one point, he started relying on, on his flesh. He started... Uh, he stopped submitting himself to the Lord, and because of that, he decided to go on. Uh, he started to run away from Queen Jezebel. He was afraid of her. He was hiding in this deserted place. He's not where God wanted him to be. He's not doing what God's spirit was directing him to do. And then, on top of that, because he was so confident in himself, he started to accuse God of not taking care of him. Because after all, he was so important, and you know, after all, he's the best and only prophet God had. And, and he's the last man standing, and you know, Lord, you don't realize what you're missing here in not taking care of me. Uh, he believed in his flesh that God needed him in order to do the work. And God, in his grace, he comes to Elijah and he stops him and he says, You know, 
I hate to break it to you, but I've got 7,000 people that have bowed their knees to Baal, and I'm working in their lives, I'm working through their lives. So you need to, you know, calm it down, and, and uh, you know, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna bench you. We're going to sit you out. You're, you're going into retirement. Uh, allowed, Elijah had allowed himself to become totally self-involved and self-centered in that moment. You know, he loved the Lord. Uh, God was using him, but eventually he started relying on the flesh and being impressed with himself rather than relying on the spirit and being humble. It caused a lack of submission and a lack of humility in his life. Or uh, another example, think about Samson. Uh, Samson knew what he was supposed to do. He knew how he was supposed to live, uh, but he placed a lot of confidence in his flesh and he placed uh, his reliance on the flesh. He thought he was impervious to temptation and that he didn't really need to try to live a holy life because, after all, he was someone God was using. He had a ministry. He was a judge. And one day, of course, we know he found himself in a place of temptation and sin. And since he didn't really rely on the Spirit and didn't rely on you know, God's filling, uh, he discovered that he was trapped in a snare that he could not free himself from. And it cost him his vision, it cost him his freedom, and it cost him his life. And this is what happens. If we're not evaluating ourselves as disciples, and if we don't have a proper understanding of what the Christian life is all about, then we start placing ourselves at the center. We start making God a, a footnote or just a topping onto our life. We start thinking that Christianity is all about promotion and self-glorification and recognition and people understanding just how important I really am and uh, just how lucky the church is to have me and how lucky the Lord is to have someone as important as me ministering for Him. But Paul very... Uh, plainly and expresses very personally here that our humanity apart from God is lost to us. It's not just, it's not just that it's not you know, um, adding to our lives, it's actually a detriment to our lives. Uh, can our natural skills be used by God? Yes. Does God raise up people to minister with their abilities or with the background or education they've received in the world? Yes, he does. But the warning of Scripture is this. 1 Corinthians 26 through 29, excuse me, 1 Corinthians 1 verses 26 through 29 for you see your calling, brethren, not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of uh, the world to put to shame the wise. God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised God has chosen. And the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are. That no flesh should glory in his presence. And so we find that God is in the business of glorifying himself. Therefore, we, as individuals, are called to be bondservants and sacrifices to him. We're called to surrender and spiritual crucifixion. We're not called to self-glorification. We're not called to self-promotion. We're not called to self-centeredness. We're not called to self, ever. Uh, think of it this way. Uh, imagine yourself in the Old Testament setting, and a lamb is brought to the temple for sacrifice. As the priest lays it there on the altar, the lamb looks up and turns to him and says, You know, it's a good thing you picked me because I'm, I'm so good at running. I can run over grass or mud or any other terrain faster than all the other sheep. Uh, it's so good that you picked me because I can jump higher than all the other lambs in my flock. I produce more wool than any other lamb you've ever seen. You're, you're so lucky that I'm here on the altar. But of course, you know, we laugh because none of that matters. The purpose of that lamb isn't to do any of those things. The purpose of that lamb is sacrifice. Uh, to die to self, not uh, to show itself. And Paul here is pointing out that if we really want the fullness of Christ, we have to cut away any confidence or reliance that we have on our natural selves. Our flesh is not the source of anything heavenly. It's not the source of anything godly. And that's a good reminder for me, I know, today. 
we are uh, we are to live the life of a sacrificial bondservant. That's what we are called to in the pages of Scripture. And a bondservant leaves the past behind and surrenders all to the will of the master. doesn't matter what their background is or what their ability is or what their skill is. The bondservant is someone who is willfully, fully submitted to the will of the master. Because God purposefully uses people in the opposite way that we sometimes think he should. You know, let's look at Paul, the great Pharisee, the master of the law, this incredible background. If we were voting, who would we send him to minister to as a Christian? We'd send him to the Jews. Go and defend Christianity and show the Jews from the law. You're an expert and you know how to show your people, you know, who Jesus is. You'll, you'll be the greatest Jewish apologist in the history of the world. And what did God do? He was called to the Gentiles. God said, yeah, you're going to go talk to the Gentiles who don't really care about the fact that you're a Pharisee or that you're an expert in the Jewish law. And so how do we set our minds? We know what not to set our minds on, but, but what's the opposite? How do we set our minds? How do we look at ourselves with the biblical worldview? Of course, as always, it's given to us under the inspiration of God's word. This is Romans 12, verse 3. I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. And so be, be spirit-led today. You can have confidence. You can have tons of confidence. But let that confidence be only in the fact that God loves you and he has saved you. He desires to transform you and then use you to glorify himself, not ourselves, and draw others to Jesus Christ, not to us. Amen?